Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. I'm Leslie Langnaw, your host. Properly designing for additive manufacturing can increase yield and save time and costs when building your manufacturing processes, ensuring that your 3D printers are used effectively. Today, I'm speaking with Daniel Lazier, Strategic Application Engineer at Mark Forged, a company that develops metal additive manufacturing systems for the desktop as well as production. And he's going to offer a number of tips. So thank you for joining me today, Daniel. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Leslie. So let's start out with what are some tips for designing for additive manufacturing that will increase yield and save time and costs? Yeah, I love that you brought up yield, um, just being such like a, a manufacturing uh, bellwether for, for product quality as a whole. Um, so I'll, I'll meet you there starting at yield. So when I think about yield in the context of additive manufacturing, it's, um, it's both a function of, of feature parameters as well as, as process parameters. Um, so talking specifically about Mark Forge systems, um, that specifically being my area of expertise, having uh, worked for Mark Forge for the past three years, I'll say that, that from a process standpoint, it's fairly stable. When we think about features, the, the kind of things that really lead to, to incremental success or high yield rates tend to be just considering the process itself uh, being a, a fused filament fabrication or FFF process. Designing features where, where those features can be self-supporting, if possible. As an example, taking an overhang and chamfering that feature to mitigate the need for support on that feature would, would be a, a, a pretty successful strategy, which not only improves yield, but also improves cost because, of course, you don't have to pay for the supports uh, that, that are propping up that feature. And then beyond that, I would just say thinking about fundamentally the way we're, we're laying down material on a path basis, so, so the size of the path we're laying down in material is generally a helpful consideration as we go and design these, these walls and, and, and bosses and, and debosses on a feature standpoint. What I'll say to, to add on to that, when, when we built our, our sort of core curriculum of, of what we call Mark Forged University, which is sort of this program built to um, sort of do exactly what, what you're asking for in terms of increasing yield and saving time and cost through additive design strategies, uh, we generally start with like the fundamental of, hey, this is the bed. This is how we're laying down material. In the case of our metal system, uh, these are the post-processing steps that are going to influence those design parameters uh, that would best yield, yield those, uh, those successful outcomes. So when folks like, say, the U.S. Army come to our headquarters and, and, and take the time to learn about it, it's not so much like they're looking through a, through a book or a library of how to, to get the most uh, successful outcomes out. I, th I think what's predicated their success, in their case, they're, they're um, doing a lot of sort of MRO or, or maintenance depot applications for, for maintaining equipment in the field. I think what's been really successful for them is being able to understand at a fundamental level how those materials are actually coming through the system. Maybe let's go back and define yield a little bit because I think some people may view yield as how many products you get out of the printer in a given time frame? Okay, sure. So, so thinking about it more in terms of traditional sense, like say injection molding or machining. So, when thinking about yield in terms of like a like a throughput, am I am I understanding that correctly? We're we're talking more of throughput. I I think some people do view yield in that context, and that might be an area of misunderstanding in the additive industry. 
Sure. So, so I, I suppose thinking about yield in the context of, of how, how many widgets can I get out of my device um, in, in, say, a fixed period of time, I, I would say thinking about the, those types of features that, that minimize material. And one characteristic of, of most additive systems, I wouldn't even say this is unique to MarkForged, is the ability to inlay lattice structures um, that minimize the amount of material because one of the one of the things that that's that's kind of fun to watch um, as a, as our customers get more uh, sort of onboarded and ingrained and in, gendered in the technology, one of the things we'll see is is transforming from a mindset of most number of cuts, which is which is a very CNC focused mindset, to more of a an additive mindset where we're only depositing material in the places where we need it. That being sort of like the most efficient strategy, both on on a time and a and a cost standpoint. So uh, I guess to, to answer your question more specifically, harnessing that capability to, to deposit material only where it's needed while designing around some of the constraint, constraints like gravity that, that predicate the need for supports. That sort of combination is, is like, uh, I think of that as, as sort of the dual threat to get to, to, get to that, uh, that ideal outcome if, if we're thinking about optimizing for, for a number of widgets coming out of the printer. Yeah, and I'd like to go back too to talk a little bit about laying down material. That's something that you don't hear a lot of, even though I know it's a huge factor in the additive industry. Are there software programs that can help an engineer more efficiently plan how materials should be laid out? Yeah, there, certainly, uh, Leslie, there's a few dimensions to that. So uh, the, the traditional CAD software programs that, that we, we as mechanical engineers use on a day-to-day basis generally have, have what's called parametric modeling for developing parts and products. So, so what's interesting about that is those types of software packages, while super powerful, don't always optimize for thinking about things in terms of utilizing the, the, the least possible amount of material, which in a lot of, a lot of cases is sort of the optimi- optimization objective. So to combat that, you're seeing this, this recent crop of, of software packages call them generative design or topology optimization, um, which do start to, to think about harnessing. Um, and these packages are generally built around additive manufacturing technologies. So they'll, they'll take in those parameters along with, say, the load cases or uh, the thermal or aerodynamic requirements of, of a part and uh, take sort of that bounding box of the geometry that the, the part must subtend mm-hmm. and then output a relatively complex and all, oftentimes alien looking features that do sort of the best possible job of, of, of outputting that part that is going to take, take on those, that optimization problem squarely. On top of that, most 3D printing specific uh, slicer, um, which, which the slicer software is, is the platform whereby you, you both input your geometry and set the part settings. Um, as a basic input to slicers, like in, in Mark Ford's case, we, we have a slicer called Iger. Iger do, does include the ability to, to customize a lattice structure that, that's built up in, in the internal uh, feature of the part. So the outer shell is as designed, but the in- interior of the part may look like a honeycomb or, or a triangular truss structure. Mm-hmm. Okay. With the geometry, what are some tips on handling complex geometric features when designing for an additive process? Sure. Yeah. So, so first and foremost, 
I start to think about design a lot more like software when, uh, when designing for, for 3D printing. And what I mean by that is, is if I have a huge assembly with traditional manufacturing, I might, I might prototype a couple times and then go build the thing. And when I prototype, I'm probably going to prototype the whole body. But with additive being sort of a linear, you, get, you, you, uh, you pay for just the material you get out as opposed to number of cuts or amount or, or a machinist time or, or line setup or anything like that. By contrast, I can just break out little features. Like say I have a, a really complicated connector. In fact, uh, just yesterday I was designing a, a sample part that I wanted to fit together with just kind of like a Lego uh, almost. So, that, so the two pieces come together with, with sort of a, a, a subtle adherence to one another. In that case, I just break out that unique feature and then I'll, I'll iterate on it a couple of times. I might fill up a build plate with 10 iterations in one print. And then in a matter of a few hours, I can obtain the part that I need that, that sort of points to that complex compl- feature complexity and, and sort of align on that best strategy through, through what we call feature discretization or, or modernizing the design. Um, again, kind of like software. So as an example, um, Siemens, one of our big customers and investors, they developed this really, really neat looking cutback tool to, to service their gas turbines. And they needed really, really unique and complex holding surfaces for the circular saw that was going to be part of that cutback tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, they, when they went through that process of iterating, it wasn't so much like they were taking the whole entire saw and printing it every time. They were just discretizing out these little bits and pieces uh, that, that had that feature complexity. And as opposed to taking a print that might take a day and making that print 10 times, taking 10 days, they took a 30 minute subsection of that print and did that 10 times, taking five hours instead. It's kind of interesting how you see so much more in a three-dimensional thing in your hand versus what you might see on a CAD design. That's so true, Leslie. I mean, it's um, when, you, when you have that ability to go from our, our cute little saying is going art to part, it never really goes the way you planned. You know, when, when you're looking at the thing in 3D space, I mean, at the advent of 3D printing, just physically holding a mock-up or uh, like the physical object or, or a physical object representing the space your end mm-hmm. part would, would take up was a super powerful capability for industrial designers that just wanted to convey visually what the thing would look like. Now with more powerful engineering tools like printing in metal or carbon fiber, you can extend that to actually producing end-use parts or tools, which uh, I think is, is sort of a, a really powerful extension of that capability. Okay, so now when you're designing for additive, what are some of the factors that would lean you more towards going into a metal material versus another kind of material? Um, sure. So I think, I think probably at this point, it bears backing up and acknowledging that. So again, I'm an application engineer at MarkForged, which is a company that makes composite printers as well as uh, metal printers. I'll start by just sort of describing uh, really briefly the metal printer that, that we've developed. So the platform, which is called the Metal X, utilizes a, a relatively new process for, for creating metal parts. And that process in, involves taking a feedstock material that consists of metal powder and extruding it through, again, what, what's called an FFF or fused filament fabrication print system. Um, so like extruding it out of a hot nozzle. And then uh, separately, what we'll do at, as a step to uh, take that material and solidify it into uh, a homogeneous metal part, 
we'll put it into a D binder tank where, where we'll take out the polymer component of, of that part. And then we'll put it into a furnace that centers those metal particles into a, a final physical body. And that's in direct contrast to what I might call uh, the incumbent uh, metal, metal print technology that, that's centered around laser sintering, where I'm taking a bed of metal powder and fusing those particles together with a laser. So when I think of what factors would actually lead me down one road or another, the, the physical characteristics that, that I'm generally looking at are, are things like, like size and uh, where I'm going to need, need support overhangs. And those constraints actually look really different for those two print systems that I just described. Where something like laser sintering, I'm generally going to be most concerned with something like heat. There's really, really sophisticated software packages that, that you can use to, to, to actually physically model how things might warp as a function of heat in that uh, relatively intense chamber, uh, having the, those sort of infinitesimal heat concentrations where in our case, uh, being more of like a, like a quasi-equilibrium state, we're, we're generally mm -hmm. thinking more in terms of in the furnace, what things need to be supported to combat um, slumping as a, as a function of geometry. So what types of support features and, and, and things like that. Um, now to address when I, when I might go in the direction of metal versus other materials, it probably bears mentioning that when I think about the universe of other materials for 3D printing, um, in our case, the, the arrows we have in our quiver at Mark Forged include not just polymer, um, but also continuous fibers that, that possess strength on par with metal. So for instance, our continuous carbon fiber is going to outperform something like 6061 uh, aluminum in terms of tension and, and flexural strength. Where, where I would go to that is, is cases where I'm, I'm specifically looking to, to obtain a really lightweight structure that still um, sustains that kind of weight. And in those cases, um, generally those parts are also less expensive to produce. Now where I'm going to take a look and, and sort of in my decision, decision tree that I have in my head, when am I going to go metal versus, versus a composite? Composite parts, like traditional composite laminate structures, generally perform really well in, in the plane that those uh, laminate uh, fibers are laid. But in, in the sort of interlayer adhesion, that's going to be an area of potential vulnerability in the design. So I might, I might point um, an engineer toward a metal print system in a case where I have lots of different axes that, that th that part is going to be subject to in terms of loading conditions. Um, relatedly, hardness is a big characteristic where we're going to make sure that we identify metal as the right use case for that and going along with that temperature. Although it bears mentioning that in our suite of fibers, we, we also have a specialty fiber that's designed specifically for high temperature applications where the cutoff point around there is, is around 300 degrees uh, Celsius. So that said, when, when I'm thinking about like, okay, let's think about the lowest possible cost material that would still satisfy uh, the engineering requirements of this application. We do also consider polymer part of our material suite as well, where, where those lower grade load cases or those lower grade, lower grade temperatures are going to uh, predicate that plastic is, is going to be a suitable material for, for that case. And what I'll say to that is, is we don't always think about a part in terms of one specific material we're going to use. In fact, we see lots of customers employing strategies like hybrid uh, parts where um, I mentioned size is a big constraint for metal, not so much a constraint for, for polymer or composite. We see our customers taking really, really big sections of, uh, of their part, like say an end effector that, that needs to withstand a lot of load in, in, in one axis. Um, we might print uh, a majority of that arm in composite 
and then produce the tip or the, or the, uh, or the contact point uh, that needs to be custom in metal and then bond the two together either through bolts or, or, or an adhesive or other kind of binding agent. Okay. What would you say are some of the top challenges then that designers are facing when working with, uh, let's go with composite materials in additive manufacturing and how can they solve them? Um, sure. So, so in terms of challenges, I think, I think the learning curve that we see our customers uh, sort of transversing is step one, fibers being laid in plane are, are going to, are in plane with loads are going to be the most successful at, at sort of mechanically responding to those loads. And it's kind of like, um, I, when I first got trained up in this technology, it was kind of like, like I've been on a roller coaster my whole life. And then all of a sudden that roller coaster can now go off the rails where I can point that, that continuous fiber in that plane in any direction that I'd like, which is almost like a superpower being able to that specifically dictate how, how that part is going to respond to mechanical stresses. So I, I think part, I think it's a two-way street where again, I'll, I'll emphasize the fact that as a company, Mark Forged is deeply invested in accelerating the adoption of, of this technology and doing so through tools like Mark Forged University that helped sort of describe the, the, the right strategies and tactics to um, get the right parts out. In terms of other challenges, you know, I, I mentioned this, this sort of two-axis problem of, of um, hey, you know, these, these fibers are going to be laid in this laminate structure that the plane that we, we lay those fibers is two-dimensional. How do we design around that? The, the implementation or, or uh, use of part of, of external components, off-the-shelf components like pins or, uh, or bolts to, to sort of restrain that part in the Z-axis is, is going to be a super, super useful strategy long-term for, you know, the, the, we, we, we design parts in, in this sort of like 2D layer-by-layer um, format, but those, those parts need to perform in the 3D world. So that, that being the problem statement, one of the most potent solutions we have for that is implementing these, these off-the-shelf components where you know, I, can, I can order a bolt uh, spec to size off McMaster car and have that thing arrive next day. And for, for a couple cents, I've solved this problem where I, I no longer have this type of vulnerability in this part. Interesting that uh, I'm, I wonder how, imagine a lot of people think about combining different kinds of technologies, but it's rare that I hear that being spoken out loud. Sure. Yeah. At MarkForged, um, I would say it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like part of our onboarding process, especially for our application engineers, thinking about physical production, more like software, how can we discretize these branches of the part almost and, and think about this as, as a hybridized, mm-hmm. albeit, albeit uh, ultimately useful part. And how can we get that part as quickly as possible so it, so it's solving real problems? Sorry, yeah, I didn't that just opens up a whole new field of, of ideas. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's all the time that we have for right now. So I thank you for joining me, Daniel. Yeah, it was my pleasure, Leslie. Happy to chat more anytime. 